Welcome back to the Boys Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh Schaefer, and it's the off-season, so you know I'm not here with Sloan. I'm here with one of our fabulous guests, another member of the league, Michael Wood. Mike, say hi. Hello, everybody. Mike, it's good to have you here. We had a riveting week this last week with our second annual rookie draft that we pushed significantly earlier in the offseason. Last year, we did it in August, I think, near even the end of August. This year, we did it at the start of June. Um, And I think that was a better decision, honestly, selfishly, but also it gave some life to the offseason. We have a lot to discuss. Obviously, we're going to go through the first two rounds in detail, understanding everyone's picks and, and sharing some perspective. Mike, let's get your thoughts, though, heading into an early June draft. How are you feeling about this timeline compared to others? You know, did you feel more prepared, less prepared? Where were you at? Yeah, I mean, personally, I I feel like I was prepared for it. I know that uh, others might not be with just less reporting and info coming out of uh, these rookie training camps, things like that. But I was again in a good place with kind of my takes on on the draft pool. And um, like you said, I, I like the timing of this. Gives us some off-season um, entertainment that doesn't happen, you know, a week before the season starts. So a true kind of uh, moment in the off-season where we can get back together. Uh, it's more entertaining than discussing rules. So, you know, this is a good time. Um, for everybody to reconvene and kind of uh, it's a good reminder for other teams to pay attention. So, you know, it's uh, it's good on all fronts. That's very true. The daily waivers will start to open up again. You know, some of those preseason highlights will start getting us a little bit, uh, you know, antsy for what's going to happen with these rookies. I also loved the June draft. I will tell everyone I paid for a rookie draft guide from someone who I really like. Mike has his head in his hands right now. This is a fresh drop. Nobody knew about this. But there's a Twitter guy who I love. I love the way he, I love the analysis he posts. It's not like the bullshit, like, let me drop. uh, Like, here's why you, here's three reasons why you're missing out on the best, (laughs) uh, best running back for this upcoming season. It's just, film it's analytics and i bought it and i loved it and i didn't fully stick to it in all my drafts but it was a great reference point love to support the dynasty community and honestly i felt like it uh aided in my draft decisions for our draft which i think it's uh time to get into shortly but mike any thoughts on me paying for draft content josh is over here paying for uh for resources to help with this draft. Meanwhile, others in our league are probably just looking at like slow motion videos of some rookie <laughs> receiver catching an uncovered five yard pass and being like, you know what? That's the guy. Oh, he's catching a pass from Patrick Mahomes when there's no defenders. Yeah, that that's my man. Uh, no, I mean, it takes away from your probable future winnings, but if it helps guarantee those winnings, then that's your call to make. Um, I would, I would suggest to teams like mine to not buy yeah. draft resources since I'm not going to win. Um, but 
You say that, you know, but I'm a year away from being a year away, but uh, we're getting closer to that. But you know what? You know, you do you. I know Brian is a, a what is it? Draft nerds subscriber. He is dynasty nerds. One of whatever that's called. Um, I'm sure there's probably at least one more person with a secret subscription in our league. So yeah, whatever floats your boat, man, you, it obviously helped you, uh, nail it on pick number one. So it did. I was like, uh, and at the end of the day, you know, spending $125 for a draft guide, it's not that bad. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to take away everything I just said. Oh my goodness. It was 25 bucks though. It was okay. 25 bucks. So that's that's a realistic But range. it came with uh like five years of historical data as well. So it ranked all of his prospects over the last like five years since he started doing it. And you was, said this was a Twitter guy or a Reddit guy? It was a Twitter guy, a Twitter guy. Okay. Uh, Seems a little more to be revealed. Not to be revealed. I am very picky when it comes to my Twitter dynasty analysts. If you follow me on Twitter, you may realize at this point my account is basically just like a dynasty Twitter account. I have lost a lot of followers of people who used to follow me in high school, and I'm like, this is what it is now. Twitter for me is uh, jokes about the NBA and dynasty fantasy football. So that's I love it. That's all I need. Okay. I know you have been waiting. Let's get into the draft. I think pick one, obvious. we've known this is the pick for years. I mean, over a year, over a year, not years probably, but we've we've known it's Bijan. Um, It was never a question in my mind. You know, Anthony Richardson, I think I was interested in uh, just from the upside perspective, but you can't turn down a generational talent like Bijan. I have no other thoughts to share, Mike. Yeah, I don't want to spend too long on him since it was an obvious pick, but I do want to emphasize that it is still a value pick, as weird as that sounds. If this was a player, let's say you entered a league that's already been started and you had to trade for Bijan, it would cost you a lot more than the first pick in a future draft, most likely. So getting him with a single draft pick rather than sending a ton of picks and players in a trade technically is value, so... Um, obviously we've known this is a good pick for Josh, but uh, just reemphasizing that it's not only a great pick just with the player, but it's also a value pick despite being number one. So you nailed it. Thanks. Yeah, it was no pressure actually at all. I was very certain who I was going to take. So we'll get into the next set of three QBs. I think we all knew Austin was going to take a quarterback at two. It was dependent upon which one. I personally thought he was going to go Anthony Richardson second overall. He ends up going Bryce Young. I don't know. I think it's the safer pick. Like, the floor is higher. The ceiling is low. Is the floor even higher, though? Here's where I think the floor is higher for Bryce Young. In terms of, like... He is more likely to be a long-term starter. But I think Anthony yes. Richardson actually has a higher fantasy floor just from a rushing perspective than Bryce Young does. Um, um I don't mind the pick, but I think yeah, I, it was either of those two. I think Stroud, a very good quarterback too, but I think Bryce Young is like a better version of Stroud in my opinion. So I don't know. I think it was between those two. Yeah, I think Austin's um, 
QB situation kind of dictated a little bit which way he had to lean here. Tannehill and Stafford um, getting up there in age, health concerns. So Austin probably identified that as a situation where he just needed to get somebody who can uh, play reliably from day one. I do agree um, on the sense that here in season one, Richardson versus Young, they may have similar floors. But I think Price Young has a a higher floor uh, in a multi-year situation just with Anthony Richardson, you know, yet to prove that he can, you know, carry a team um, for more than 12 games. And I would argue he didn't even carry Florida. So um, more certainties with that pick. And so I don't mind it. Um, I'll say with, with my two picks following that Stroud and Richardson, um, I actually, my personal belief is that Stroud's the best QB in this class. Maybe not from a fantasy perspective, but I think he's the best QB. Um, I've kind of been holding on to that. I tried to not let that slip at all. Um, not that I think Austin would have preferred Stroud over those other two. Um, but that's just kind of my stance on things. Maybe a little uh, Ohio State bias in there. But um, then you have Richardson going forth. Um, you know, you could have flipped these two, Stroud and Richardson. I was going to take both. Just the QB value in our league is too strong. Um, and as we've kind of seen, I may be able to flip one of those guys down the road for a good haul. So um, worth the investment on my end, I think. I think so, too. I know you were also interested in going after Gibbs, trying to trade for him at the start of the draft. Did it cross your mind to take Gibbs over either of the quarterbacks or have you felt pretty locked into these two picks since the actual NFL draft ended? I felt pretty locked in and I was only going to trade for Gibbs if it meant trading something other than these two picks. So I wasn't going to try to move back and sacrifice one of those QB picks, assuming that Sloan would have taken a QB. Um, But I, I just think that, um, you know, with me liking Stroud a lot and then the the fantasy upside of Anthony Richardson, I never really considered uh, a position player uh, ahead of those guys. Uh, it would have had to have been an offer that kind of knocked me off my feet. So, um, yes, I did try to trade pretty persistently for Sloan. A bunch of different combinations and ways I tried to trade for him. I was obviously frustrated at Sloan, but I have to admit it was the right decision to not trade the fifth pick to me. Um, I think Gibbs fits well on his team. It was the right pick, obviously. Um, And he'll probably be a day one starter for Sloan. So um, I like that for Sloan. Yeah, it was a tough. You were at a tough time of the year to buy that pick. Like, I think Sloan knew it was going to be Gibbs. It could have been JSN at one point, and I think the fit on the Seahawks really ended up hurting JSN. Uh, I think he would have been a lock for the fifth pick on a lot of other teams if he would have gone to them and had Gibbs gotten more normal draft capital, like in terms of what was expected. Um, But I think Gibbs is an awesome pick. I heard the offers that you had, Mike. I think Sloan did make the right decision to hold on. It's just, you know, Sloan traded. I mean... Demonte Adams didn't cost him the championship, but he traded a like at the time he made that deal, he traded away a very significant part of his championship hopes. Um, 
And so, you know, I think he would have needed an offer to like blow him away in order to do that. And trying to buy any of these rookies at this point, I mean, unless you're severely overpaying, it's nearly impossible. So there was at least one three-way trade that he was a part of that felt like it got close. Uh, I won't give too many details away, but Sloan would have been getting a true, uh, whatever you want to call it, tier one, tier two player. I know that's a big thing for him is maintaining his ability to win a championship in the now. So he would have gotten that. Um, but, you know, I, I like his decision to hold tight here and and pick Gibbs. Yeah, agree. All right. It takes us into this next string of four picks. I think. You know, I think Gibbs and JSN are their own tier. I think QJ and uh, Jordan Addison are also their own tier. And then I think the draft just kind of descends in. Like, personally, I would say from uh, a chain to... I mean, honestly... Okay, whatever. I'm just skipping too far ahead. The next four picks, <laughs> I don't know. To be expected. No surprises here. Right? Uh, the next three picks... I mean, Shane like Gibbs, Woods. JSN, and Q- QJ Addison. These four, to me, are oh, just yeah. like... yep, gotcha. No thought, draft. I-, I think Ongood maybe had a little bit of dilemma, maybe between Addison or Quentin Johnston. I it's could go either way on there. It, You know, I-, I doubt... That would be something I think you'd have to be really deep in the like analytics to be like, I love this guy over this guy. And I don't think our league is really there. I'm not even there either. So I don't blame yeah, him for going. You can't blame anybody for either of those decisions. Yeah. Okay. So we get to the first potentially controversial pick of the draft. Colin goes a chain and nine. I texted him before the draft. He was not loving this draft spot. I knew Nine was the not the place you wanted to be. I feel like nine is when you started seeing the real drop off. He goes with a third round running back. Um, you know, obviously he's been getting a lot of hype. He was a selected 84th overall. I will remind you that is behind Ty J Spears, who was drafted. I'm trying to find 81st overall. So Ty J Spears, who has no ACL in one leg. I'm just saying the NFL, maybe they know something, but I'm not <laughs> trying to say the draft capital is everything. I'm just using this more so as a way to illustrate what's going on here. Now, Mike, for me, this would have been Zay Flowers all the way. Where were you at on the chain pick? Um, I mean, very on brand for Colin. He is very always That's true. marched to the beat of his own drum, has his own valuations, which I really respect because it's easy to go with near consensus uh, in dynasty. It's the safe thing to do. Um, I mean, it's, it's a home run swing and it'll just take a couple of years now to find out if it was a home run hit. I, I would have had Zay flowers or probably Dalton Kincaid uh, in this zone. Maybe will Levis if it was a QB and ED team. Colin's not one of those. So I kind of threw that uh, possibility out the window it shocked me though, but you look at Collins' roster, he doesn't have glaring needs at either running back or wide receiver. So it was a little bit of a luxury pick, even though it wasn't a great spot value wise. Um, still, I think he maybe could have looked at trading back a couple slots, seeing if there was demand there. Probably could have gotten, um, gotten his guy still, but 
Um, yeah, I, a Colin pick. I kind of alluded to this in my uh, mock draft that I sent out before the draft. I thought Colin would go definitely outside of ADP in his choice, and he sure did that. Yeah, this was, like you said, I respected the, like, get your guy, which is nice to see. Um, but dang, that is 1.9 there for a third round running back is wild for a class that was touted to be like one of the deepest running back deepest classes in recent memory. It's quite a drop. If you're calling, I mean, this pick could blow up a little bit before the summer is even over. If Dalvin Cook goes to the Dolphins, you're suddenly looking at a Shane really only reaching relevancy in you know, what, two or three years from now? Um, maybe he's on the field for some gadget plays or something where you've got speed um, as a focus of the play. But, I mean, it, this could be a bumpy ride in the near term. Yeah, I am not as sold on Dalvin Cook. I don't think he's that good or else he would be somewhere. He will at least soak up time on the field, which is it will be like a Leonard key number one kind of situation, if I had to guess, where it's just like, you know. But if he if if he's actually really good, I think he'll play. He has the draft capital to play. Yep. Um, talent overall, finds a way. Interesting pick. We go Will Levis next. I don't this was not that surprising to me. You know, I did not want to have to draft Will Levis, but Austin's team obviously QB needy. I think it's pretty decent value to be able to get Levis at the 10th pick. Um, And I understand why he took him over Zay Flowers at this point. Makes a ton of sense to having Ryan Tannehill. You're filling a need, a handcuff, uh, and it's relatively close on where he was expected to go anyways in the draft. So I I think Austin um, made a good but not sexy pick here. Agree. All right, we get to the start of the second round, and this is the pick that I have a big problem with. I'm sorry, Ongood. I love you. I love playing Dynasty Fantasy Football with you. Your team is garbage. Sorry. Even Matilda is irate about this pick. You take the best player available. You take the best player available. Now, maybe Charbonnet ends up being great. But you have a first-round receiver that has fallen to you at the start of the second round. Zay Flowers sitting there. I don't think anybody expected Zay Flowers to make it. I didn't, especially at a 2.2. I never thought he would be there. I'm like, good. you have Zay Flowers here. This has worked out perfectly for you. You can leave with Johnston and Zay Flowers, and that is an excellent first two rounds. Instead, you take Charbonnet because you're RB needy. There's a very strong chance Charbonnet is not fantasy viable on this team. And I just did not understand this pick at all. And then you set Matt up for this perfect pick at 2.2 as well. Even just try and make an offer, I think, is what bothered me too. If you want Charbonnet, like, move back a spot. I think you could have gotten Matt's next 2.2 plus another piece for him to move up to get this player. 
I think it all just happened so fast in the draft. I was like, it just seemed like it was lost the quality of player that fell to this spot for me. Yeah, I I would argue that Hogwood's not even truly RB needy yet. Yeah. He's got some age in his RB room, but it's still quality. You have Mixon, Kamara, Foreman, Madison, Dylan. Those are all guys you'd be comfortable starting. Um, and you might even throw a couple on the flex. So, you know, there's a bit of an overflow there. I think he should have just taken best available. Maybe, you know, respect to everybody having their own rankings. Maybe he's just super high on Charbonnet, but I think the situation in Seattle would knock him down a peg in anybody's book. So um, I, I agree. I think that was a bit of a reach. I think by ADP, that was a perfectly fine pick in every other angle. You could analyze this. I I'm not a fan. Um, I, to be honest, I'm not sure if this pick helps with avoiding Waffle House. Not saying he's going to Waffle House, but he looks like he'll be in contention. So, yeah, I just do like see what else is out there. If you don't like Zay Flowers, totally fine. I can understand why you don't, but this is an objectively like highly touted talent that has landed you there. And really, I think this is also a testament to our draft being so early you know the dalvin cook getting cut news doesn't really start to circulate too significantly until after our draft is over if we had our draft this coming wednesday instead of last wednesday does Ongood still make this pick here right knowing he has Mixon, madison and kamara now maybe um but yeah, I'm not going to over-index on it too much. Again, like you said, Mike, in terms of ADP, it's not a bad pick. I just think there was opportunity to do more for a team that needs as much as it can possibly get. So that's where I'm at. It moves us to our next pick. 2.2. Zay Flowers is here. Instant draft for me. I would I would not have even fielded any offers for this pick. I, I was so shocked at how fast Charbonnet was taken my brain wasn't even processing it when I saw that Zay Flowers was still available at 2.2. Yeah, I not much to say here other than Matt just kind of picking up what falls into his lap. I'll go ahead and include his pick from later in the round two, Jonathan Mingo. I think you had the most wide receiver needy team in the league in Matt being able to get three quality receivers without having to reach for any of them. So really good first two rounds from him where kind of uh, value meets strategy or team need, whatever you want to call it. So um, yeah, definitely Matt had to feel great seeing flowers end up there. I, I don't think any wild projections would have even had him getting there. So yeah, um, a bit of a gift, a gift indeed. Um, but I also felt gifted at this point in the draft. You know, I on a, the two guys I really didn't want to have to take, were Charbonnet and Will Levis. I'm just not, I don't love the second round QB that much. Um, and Charbonnet, I don't love the situation as much. And honestly, being able to get Kincaid, you know, I'm not a tight end needy team at all, but I'm definitely at the point where I'm going best player available here. And I think Kincaid is the best player available. Um, you know, I like, obviously, great draft capital, good performance in college tight ends are their own thing. And I really didn't want to take a tight end, but 
I think he is very talented, and so it's hard to want to turn that down at this point. So I go Kincaid. I go Kendra Miller next. Um, another, I you know, I think after Kincaid, I think after this, we're kind of in this, like, big tier, really, from here until uh, maybe even, like, the middle of the third, honestly. I think Tajay Spears is, like, the last guy in my opinion, I think that is the end of this tier. I really think from here till from 2.4 till 3.5, you're just kind of like, who do you like? Agreed. Definitely. Uh, um, and Kendra Miller, I'm a big fan. I like the situation. Kamara's getting older. You know, I know Jamal Williams is there too. Another good running back. Um, but I think, you know, there's a good chance for him to get some playing time. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, there's this sea of wide receivers here. Um, and I just didn't love any of them enough to go for it over the, like, I didn't think the upside was there considering the RB scarcity in fantasy football. So I, if I was going to take a, a reach on a player, I'd rather go for who I think is definitely the next best running back over, I think from Rishi Rice, even to Jalen Hyatt. All of those guys could be different on where you're in your tier. I think Kendra Miller is clearly the top of the remaining running backs that's left. And so that was kind of my motivation to go for this pick. Yeah, for me, um, Miller, maybe I don't as much see the talent separation, but I see the situation separation for sure. Um, With Kamara's potential suspension, um, I think that he's the last of the running backs we saw. I'd even say he probably has a better situation than Charbonnet um, in the sense that there's likely early playing time at a high volume. Um, the other uh, competition he has at running back with Jamal Williams, Jamal Williams seems to be more of just a pure running type of guy. So Miller could see some um, action in the receiving game. I like the pick just... Um, like you mentioned, he's in one giant tier, but for me, he was ranked near the top of that tier. Um, so if you're splitting hairs, I think that was the right decision. Yeah. I felt good about it. I liked my draft at this point, getting Bijan, Kincaid, Miller. I felt very good about those three picks. That's kind of what I was aiming for. Honestly, if you could have told me, I would have gotten those guys. I moved up from 2-6 to 2-4 to get Miller. Next, we go Rishi Rice, Mingo, Josh Downs. Rishi Rice, I think, was like late second round. Mingo, early second round. And then Josh Downs, you have a third round wide receiver. I don't love any of these guys. They all have their, um, like, you know, Rishi Rice, great situation. Mingo, great draft capital. Josh Downs, probably a better college production profile. You're kind of getting the different flavors of what these second round, second Brown dynasty wide receivers are like with these picks. Um, not any guys I really love, but you know, in the mid to late second round, not bad flyers. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Um, you kind of just choose what strength and or weakness you want to um, focus in on when you pick or don't pick one of these guys. So um, I really had no problem if you put those three in any order. Um yeah. No complaints. Uh, complaint for me comes at the next pick. Dylan at the eighth pick in the second round chooses Sam Laporta at tight end. Um, 
my complaint is not the spot where this guy's been drafted. I think he was a late second rounder. Um, and that makes sense to me. I do have frustration that I was definitely going to pick him. And then Dylan, who uh, I could be proven wrong, but I largely believe puts little preparation into um, looking into college players, just kind of takes him, you know, has Kyle Pitts, has Tyler Higby, who finished as a, a top eight tight end last year. So you would likely argue that Dylan doesn't need a tight end or maybe picks one up later. Maybe he just picks one up off of waivers after the draft is over. Nope. Go Sam Laporta. Rips my heart out as much as you can for a late second rounder. And um, yeah, I'm sure he is a huge Sam Laporta fan. You know, <laughs> knows everything about him. Um, and Dylan the was all, messaging me. He was like, Sam Laporta, don't take him mid-second. So. Yeah, sa- save him for me. He's a future <laughs> Hall of Famer as long as he's drafted by me. So um, That's yeah. true. No, I, I do like it for Dylan. And you just go best player available a lot of these cases. I I think Dylan's obviously uh, has an embarrassment of riches at most positions. So um, he went and got his guy, even though I'm not sure he knew who his guy was. Yeah, I don't know. When Dylan made this pick, what made me a little bit more suspect of it was the fact that he was like, oh, I need a, I need an extra tight end. Right now I only have Kyle Pitts. <laughs> and if you need an extra tight end, you should not be taking a rookie tight end. You know, a, a rookie tight end is what you take when you know your tight end situation is in good shape, right? I think a lot of these rookie tight ends, it's it's a project, right? You're going to be in sure. there for at least a year, maybe two years before you start to see any real production. So I don't know if this really helps Dylan's needs at tight end. Now, him having Kyle Pitts and saying he's needy at tight end, obviously, um, you know, tricky to balance. I think this gets to the inherent nature of Dylan's team, though, where you look at and you're like, oh, my gosh, he has this guy, this guy. There's so much potential here. Um, but then it's like when it comes to actually being able to win a championship, like you can't just have potential guys, right? You need these actual producers. Um, and so I think that, you know, he made his first really big trade of this year. Heading in uh, of our not of this year of our entire league, I think heading into this draft, I think he's getting on that a little bit more. Who you know maybe Sam Laporta is just another good backup. He believes in Kyle Pitts this year, um, but yeah, an interesting pick for sure. Getting his guy leaves you to go Roshan Johnson at the ninth pick. Um, you know now we're getting into this a fourth round running back now going in the second round. I know you probably didn't love making this pick. Uh, here maybe you did but I would be surprised by that it is a muddy backfield and I don't know uh, where Roshan's gonna land there I was actively trying to trade out of this pick during our draft not because I don't like Roshan but more I just liked moving back in further into the tier if I didn't have a clear-cut guy I wanted to choose Um, you know he's a a high variability pick played behind Bijan in college so that's about as, as good as an excuse as you could have for why you didn't get more playing time in college. Um, but it, it leaves a lot up to the imagination of whether he'll be an actual contributor. I don't have much more to say than that because uh, I like to talk him up even, since he's my guy, but I it could go a hundred different ways and none of them would surprise me with him. Did you think about taking Jaden Reed at this pick? Because I know you and I were texting 
about Jaden Reed. I think he was getting, I mean, kind of surprisingly slept on, I think. Great draft capital. I mean, Green Bay, I would say, isn't an incredible situation, but there's no like proven alpha there. I know you ended up having to trade up for Jaden Reed in the next round. I thought it was a great trade up. Um, but did did you expect that you would maybe bring yourself the unnecessary stress by not getting in there? I did not expect that. Um, now, at the time that I made this pick, I also had 3-1. So um, at that point, you know, only two picks later, only Dylan sits in between me and my next pick at that point. Um, I thought I could get my, my extra little, um, you know, cherry on top by getting Reed, uh, by waiting till three, one. And then, you know, I traded back even further once Colin came with what I felt was a good enough offer. Um, I lucked out that he didn't go, um, with my guy, but, um, great value for Colin, by the way, there too, Michael Meyer at 3.1 is that's nice. For sure. So I don't know. It was just a balance of what was on the board and where I felt things would land in the next, you know, two to five picks behind me. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, you had to trade up. I know we were in a bit of a Jaden Reed bit off uh, in very small stakes, right? Like it was like thirds and fourths flying around. So I like the value for Jaden Reed. Uh, Tank Bigsby wraps up our second round. Fine. I like it for the Etienne owner. You know, it's a nice handcuff, I guess. Um, seems muddy to me again. A good back, but I don't know. Just kind of. I, uh, I look at this one more about not the player taken, but what the pick was recently involved in with the trade. Uh, this was the 210 plus Amari Cooper that landed you Traylon Burks. Um I'll have a lot more to say about that trade after we're done looking at the draft here. Um, not due to value. I thought it was a relatively even trade, but just uh, extraneous factors. But um, the pick itself, I'm fine with. Um, like we said, just middle of this tier, you just got to pick a guy. And, um, you know, handcuffed to Etienne, I think makes sense for Dylan. So I don't mind it at all. All right, Mike, we've got three minutes left on the fir- on this first Zoom call. So we'll we'll wrap up. We'll give ourselves three minutes to talk about the rest of the draft. Like I said, draft really ends for me after three five. I like Tajay Spears going there. I think that is incredible value for a third round back. Big Jaden Reed guy. Marvin Mims going at the beginning of the third. I think there's really good value to be had in that early third round. Really across the board, honestly. I think those first five picks are really good. Uh, the next big pick I'm going to call out that I think is very good value. Uh, pick 4.5 tank Dell. Um, Oh, wow. Who picked him? Uh, I don't know, but I was psyched to be getting tank Dell when, when Dylan undid his pick to get Michael Wilson, I can say I was actually shocked that he was like, Michael Wilson was nowhere on my draft radar at all. But, uh, I love tank Dell. 5'10", 165, tiny guy. Let it be known he was drafted ahead of Josh Downs and is only 10 pounds lighter. So am I getting Josh Josh Downs in the fourth round? Potentially, which I'll take. 
I think a lot of predictive metrics would suggest Tank Dell's not long for the NFL, but I guess my general comment for the fourth round is that uh, I think people overlook the value. You're getting either a lot of guys who uh, slip through the cracks like Tank Dell, a second rounder in real life, um, or you're getting somebody like, you know, to Dylan's credit, Michael Wilson uh, with Hopkins now out of Arizona. Um, you're at least getting a playing time opportunity. So you can get those playing opportunity type of guys in the late third, early fourth round. Um, and I think that kind of drove a lot of the picks you saw in that range. Uh, yeah. No complaints on most fronts. Glad to see uh, Purdue's finest AOC getting getting the call at the second to last pick. Dan Dwayne McBride. I know you traded up for him. That was after the Dalvin Cook news had dropped. I like it as a flyer. It's a good, I mean. It's truly a flyer, yep. Bad draft capital. Um, good size, though, for a, for a back. You know, I don't mind it in the fourth, especially when you're overloaded with picks the next few years. Yeah. Did the Vikings bring in another veteran to replace Dalvin Cook? Do they just go with one of their bench guys or their new draft pick in McBride? Purely a, a swing at that uh, on my end. It wouldn't shock me if he uh, gets 40% of snaps. It wouldn't shock me if he is off my team by September. So we'll find out. Should be fun. All right, that wraps up part one. In the next part of this podcast, we'll jump into uh, some of the trades that went on on draft day and give you a little bit of insight into how we're thinking about the teams heading into the season. All right, we're back for part two. Just finished recording part one, covering the draft. It was a great one. Uh, you know, it was a lot of trades going on in the second, third rounds for players. Um and I think Mike and I were talking, this may have been our most trade day uh, ever, like in a specific day for our league, which is pretty exciting. So what we're going to do in this part is we're going to go through those trades. Some of them will be rather short as they're just, you know, third and fourth round swaps to get guys. Um, but we'll start it off with the first trade of the day. Sloan and I, uh, Sloan has been, I knew, I, I had a feeling that Sloan was not going to want to pick in the third or fourth round. And so, you know, I went out and I said, Hey, you want some fab? And he did. So I gave up 800 in season fab yet to be sent will be transferred at the start of the season for a late third rounder and an early fourth rounder. And I was loving this trade personally. I would do this 10 times out of 10 to get both of these picks. Um, so I was feeling good about it. What are your thoughts, Mike? Not much other than just like, you know, knowing your league mates. It's important, you know, that Sloan hasn't and is likely willing to not in the future put work into knowing what college players are available to be drafted. So, um, you know, I think it's a good matching of interests there. I, I mean, I find it interesting that he's trading uh, for Fab, which, you know, ultimately goes towards helping you win a waiver claim. He doesn't strike me as the most waiver savvy player either, considering he rostered guys like David Blau, Horvath, <laughs> Sam Ellinger for most of last season. So, um, you know, Sloan, if you're listening, you do have to use that fab eventually to get a good player. But um, if you do that, maybe it's a, a decently balanced trade in the end. That's true. I mean, he ends up getting a, an Elijah Mitchell like guy. I think that's a great deal. 
or you're just, you know, it really is an advantage. You know, if something early happens in the season where there's a clear must have guy on waivers, huge advantage in being able to say, I can put $1,001 on this and guarantee myself this player. Yeah. And still have a lot of money left over for whatever else you need to do. Cause when that happens, getting fab from other people, especially getting 800 fab to match Sloan, he will definitely have the first dibs on whatever significant injury is, is bound to happen, which that's worth something. I don't think collecting 800 fab, even from across the league would be quite a pain to do in the middle of the season. So, and I mean, what, what good is fab going to do on your team, Josh? Like, who are you going to drop for even an Elijah Mitchell? There's maybe one guy I can think of that you would drop. And even that is kind of a, a teeth grinding decision. So you just, don't even have to worry about that now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, there's always the QBs, which are nice, but I think for me, most of my waiver claims anyway, will probably be more like, you know, it definitely limits my end season flexibility. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Like when it comes to bidding on things and maybe I have to go acquire fab myself, but I just liked, I knew I wanted to move up in the draft. I was texting Matt pretty much all day, like, hey, what do you want for 2-2 and 2-4? And so I felt like I needed a little bit more to push that over. And so 3-7 was really what I was targeting to be able to do that. So I like the deal. Made sense, yep. All right, next we go to your trade with Brian. You trade a 25-third and 3.1 and fab for 2.7 and a 2024 fourth. Um, or you, sorry, you get a 25 third and 3.1 251 fab, which Brian is sending and Brian receives 2.7 and a fourth moving back four spots to move up, uh, to the third round in two years from now, I guess you just weren't interested in anyone at 2.7. You didn't like what was there. Was that kind of uh, what it was? Fine. Yeah. Fine with the players. Just thought I could get, you know, sufficient uh, players slightly further back. Um, ironically, I could have got Sam Laporta there at two seven. So maybe I regret that. Maybe I don't. But uh, no, it's like we said earlier, it, one giant tier, and I was just trying to move. That was back the hard it. part. Yeah, yeah. You just had to, you had to be comfortable with every guy in there if you were going to move back. And there were certain guys I was probably be less comfortable with, but. You know, at the late second, you have no, I think it when you're, and it goes to your next trade too, where you had two, five and two, seven, you traded both of those back to go to later in the second round. When you're picking at two, five, two, seven, I still feel like you have relatively high expectations for those players. Like those feel like good picks. Um, Whereas when you're picking in like the two, nine to early three range, you're just kind of taking flyers and good with whatever. So I see the value of moving back there. I feel like you're two five to two nine. That one I don't love as much for you. I feel like that three nine, just because after three five, I felt like there was such a big teardrop. Um, I get the fab, you know, you're definitely gonna be whatever whoever you want in the off season, uh, which debatedly more important than in season fab with you know us yet to grow through rookie training camp and preseason. You will be the king when it comes to adding who you want in this off season. Yeah. Um, me giving up to five was just kind of making my bet 
that tear drop off that happened. I mean, it, it ended up playing out how I thought it would. Kendra Miller, the last of the guys I would have wanted at two five before it was just kind of throwing a dart at whoever. So um, I was banking on those first 14 picks in whatever order getting picked a hundred percent. And then um, from that point on, it was just that big tier for me. And I uh, just moving back again, I maybe could have gotten slightly more return, squeeze a little more juice out of it. But at that point I wasn't being picky and um, I was just going to kind of take whatever the best offer that came my way was. Um, Ended up not playing out totally how I thought it would in the late second round, but um, that's the risk you take. Yeah, and you even got a nice little bidding war for that pick, which was between Austin and I. I mean, very small stakes, but at least... Yeah, we're talking hundreds of fab dollars (laughs) here, which might not even get spent by the time you're listening to this in three months. So Yeah. So we go from that blockbuster into our next blockbuster of the day. Dylan's first trade of uh of basically our league. I know he's done other small ones. We had obviously trade gate during the first season with uh the second round pick and you know what was going on there. Uh, I think he traded for Jimmy Garoppolo as well at one point. But this is I would say is definitely the biggest stakes trade that he's made. He trades Traylon Burks, who I, I realized after the fact was his third overall pick last year. His third overall pick, Traylon Burks. He moves for Amari Cooper and 2.10. Now, this is obviously a trade with me. Um, huge Traylon guy, I believe. Although I should maybe be a little bit nervous that Dylan is w- willing to trade him away because that typically means bad things for the players. But... <laughs> um, you know, to me, I basically my roster at this point, I have been my team has basically been like, where can I find value? And a lot of the value I've been able to find has been in these late 20 year old, like very good receivers. And I have quite a collection of them on my team, uh, maybe in abundance, some might say. Too many uh, for sure. Uh, and this was a and what I've been trying to do over the last few weeks is just kind of. I'm glad to have them, but it would be nice to consolidate a little bit before the season starts. And so for, for me, I had traded George Pickens for Amari Cooper in 2.6. Um, Traylon obviously had a worse rookie campaign than George Pickens did. Um, so for me, it was just more of an opportunity to go for a player I really liked, give up Amari Cooper, who you know has had a top 15 season you know, top 10 season last year, only 20, 28 years old at this point, uh, probably has a few good seasons left in the tank. I think this is actually quite a good trade for Dylan as well. I, I actually view this quite a bit as a win-win. I think Dylan, you know, right now, if you look at his team, his starting lineup, um, you know, it's a, if you look at the other wide receivers, he would have to start, it would be like Christian Kirk, Cortland Sutton, Marquise Brown, Michael Pittman, names that you would like, right? Like if you're a dynasty follower, you like these guys, but no proven talents, right? Christian Kirk, uncertainty with Calvin Ridley coming in. Marquise Brown, is Kyler Murray going to play this year or what extent is he going to be able to play? Um, You know, I think Amari Cooper is clearly a tier above any of those other receivers heading into the next year. 
and probably even two years. Um, and so I think Dylan gets to acquire a nice starting wide receiver for his team, probably a locked in starter every week without having to give up too much. Um, you know, Dylan has a, an abundance of young talent on his team. I don't think he really needs to like, I think Traylon Burks is definitely at an inflection point and Dylan has 10 players that are at an inflection point in terms of whether or not they're going to actually be good at a certain point. You should cash that in for some actual value and known production. And I think that this is Dylan's journey to starting to do that. So first off, pretty much agree with everything you said. I viewed it as in its own, you know, in its own uh, independence, it was a fine trade balance for the most part like you mentioned maybe some balancing of needs uh, for both of your teams that uh, gets helped by making this trade my problem maybe this is just because i happen to know what was going on with some of matt's offseason is that i know dylan had at least one other suitor for Traylon. dylan even indicated interest in prior trade ideas um, before he started ramping up his studying again I just wish I I wish not even not even to get myself involved as a potential Traylon buyer, but I would have loved to see Dylan start a little bit of a bidding war. He knew he had strong interest from at least Matt. He probably knows he can at least throw noise my way and I might um, take bait on, on some of that stuff. Not saying he has to send a group message to every team in the league saying, hey, this guy's up for sale. But I would have loved to see um, him leverage all of us against each other to a degree. Um, and I know Matt was trying really hard. And I think he could have squeezed more out of both of you guys. Um, so there's, I think there's some trade communication frustration with Dylan in the league. I know there's also trade communication frustration with other players. Um you know, between each other. But uh, in this case, just kind of knowing where Matt sat with the negotiation, negotiating process, um, it was frustrating to see that kind of go through and hear that there was only really a direct line of communication between uh, you, Josh, and Dylan. Um, you know, maybe that balances itself out over the course of the next one, two years. Um, you know, maybe... Matt and Dylan end up meeting again down the road for their own uh, new discussion on whatever um, assets are to be traded. But given that it was draft day two, you think of all the kind of heightened decision-making volatility that's going on. I think Dylan could have leveraged that situation a little better. I think you're probably right. I will say it goes back to what you were talking about when we were talking about the trade with Sloan. And this is about knowing your league mates, right? Yep. Dylan is impossible to get consistent responses, fantasy football engagement from. The only day you could get it is on draft day when you you can't not think about it. You have no other option but to think about it. It's one of the few days of the year, actually, where you have to spend time thinking about your team, who you want. And what I will say is I, I think... There are times where Matt is quite hard to get a hold of when it comes to fantasy trades. I agree. 
And so it's one of those times where this is a lesson in the importance of persistence. Do I think Dylan could have gotten more? Probably. Do I think Dylan wanted to put in the effort to get more? Probably not, right? Like that's a lot of like stress and it's obviously a work day, right? Like you have to manage a lot of texts and getting everything that you want. Maybe Matt had a better offer. I don't know. Do you know what it was? Uh, I'd have to look it up. I can reference it later in our call here if I find anything. I do agree. Um, That's a big point. Knowing your league mates and how their own personal um, interest levels jives with what's going on. But um, yeah, uh, just tough for me given that I kind of knew the context that was building ahead of time. Um, I'm not, and like I said, I'm not saying Dylan had to text everybody, but I, I thought he should have at least reached out to Matt knowing that there was you know significant interest there. And, um, you know, maybe we'll see similar things play out with, um, none of these teams, you know, maybe it's me and Sloan in the future, or Brian and Austin, Hoggard and Tommy, whoever it could be. Um, maybe, maybe this is more of a wake up call for everybody to think more about that side of things. Think more about person on the other end. When are they most likely to be responsive in, um, you know, engaging in these things? Yeah. I will say I offered, uh, Dylan Cooper cup, it for Traylon Burks in 1.8, which I think would have been an interesting offer as well. Honestly. Yeah, um, I mean, all the players you mentioned and obviously the, the assets that actually got traded, they're in that good zone of really strong assets, but also tradable. None yeah. of them are like untouchable. Um, and those are those do make for fun trades because that's like significant team power moving around. Um without somebody really like mortgaging their future on a single player or giving up a player that they maybe shouldn't have. You're totally right. It's uh, it was a fun one. I was psyched to get it done. I couldn't believe Dylan's engagement and the texting going back and forth. Um, and it was like, I really genuinely felt like it was an offer that made sense for both teams. I love Traylon. I do not need seven 29 year old wide receivers at this point. <laughs> um, and it's not like I'm not trying to construct my team for needs, but I just like to diversify a little bit more. And uh, I felt like this was good value. So yeah, I, sure. I think we've covered it. We'll move on to next. The next one was between Matt and I, I traded 2.4 or I traded 3.7 and 2.6 for 2.4 uh, moving up two picks to get my guy here. Kendra, I really did not love the 2.6 spot. I would have been pretty disappointed to have to take Mingo. I don't dislike Mingo. He probably would have been fine, but I don't like, obviously you take best player available, um, but I I prefer the best player available, in my opinion, to be a running back than a wide receiver. Uh, At least feel good enough about the trade-off. I think Mingo and Kendra are still in a very similar tier but I, I'm going to go wide receiver over. Or I'm going to go running back over wide receiver every time. So Matt had told me he was willing to move up. No surprises by this for me. Anything else from you? Nope. I, I love a good little pick swap, move up or down sort of trade. Um, you're getting to see in real time kind of how people value the certain stage of the draft you're in. So it's always interesting. For sure. So then we go. Uh, three more pick swap trades. 
I don't think anything too significant worth calling out. We're all moving like thirds and fourths. We talked about the Jaden Reed deal a little bit. Um, but I think, you know, we had a lot of movement on draft day, which I think is fun to see, you know, nothing in the top 10 really moving on draft day, which I can't say I'm too surprised by. I felt like it was one of those things where nobody really wanted to trade up into like the 1.9 to like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I feel like somebody would have traded up for Zay Flowers if they would have known that it was like, hey, do you want this player? Like, I feel like that would have happened, but everything just happened too fast for any deals to go through that were earlier in the draft. Yeah, and if you're mad at that point, getting Zay Flowers drop, you're probably just smashing the draft button, not worrying about trades. No. Um, no. Yeah, I, I think we have a league, I think, full of people who'd be willing to trade into the late first. I just don't think it was a great draft for trading into the late first, so more of a victim of the kind of player tiers rather than, um, you know, people's willingness going forward. Um, so no surprises there. Uh, I do like it though. shows that people are engaged, obviously helps when we're all on the phone with each other on a zoom call, but, um, you know, it's fun to watch things move in real time. Uh, I can speak for myself. I don't even totally have a hundred percent control over, you know, where I see my team, or my draft going when I'm making those picks. So it's kind of fun to trade now, figure it out later, just based on what your impulse is telling you to do. For sure. Well, it was a great draft. Thanks to everyone for joining. Glad we could do a little call. Most of us were there. It was fun to Sloan did a nice little bit at the start, which I, he like read off this. If you weren't there, he like read this script and the way he read it was quite funny. So you had to be there. You had to be there, yeah. <laughs> um, we tried to record it, but we couldn't figure it out. Um, and it would have been very boring outside of that. It was just like nothing, pretty much. Just guys being dudes. Yes, yeah. Um, okay, so let's move into our final piece of this podcast. I know uh, we've been going for a while, but let's do like an early outlook for the season. Um, you know maybe we can talk about like our maybe like two or three teams you think are most likely to win it all. And then your two or three teams you think are most likely to go finish last this year. Um, I almost okay. want to steer us a slightly different direction. Ooh. Okay. I think that you and Dylan are such, I don't Okay. I'm not going to say locks. I think you guys are such higher probability than anybody else to make the playoffs that I don't even want to focus on you guys too much. I just think you guys are such strong teams. Um, obviously, injuries will always you know, come up and surprise uh, possibly a contending team. But I think you guys are in great shape. Um, so I'm more interested in that, whatever it might be, two to four team pocket that's vying for those last two playoff spots. Are you still sleeping on, on Tom's Trojans again for the third year in a row? Not sleeping on his team. Um, I would, you know, as it stands today, I would say he's a likely playoff team compared to others in that range. But I think you and Dylan just have a lot better depth than other teams. Um, so when you talk about, you know, if one injury happened to each team, who could withstand it the most? I think you and Dylan are in shape to, um, you know, survive beyond that injury. 
Yeah, you're right. Okay, so it's us two, and then I think Tommy's team, because once you get in the playoffs, it's a total crapshoot. We were talking about this the other week. It's just like right. you only have to win two weeks, and then you're the champion pretty much. So, okay, yeah, it's and then it's Tommy, and then I think from there, it is wide open, honestly, in my opinion. I think just – I don't think there's any team I'm really like – they're locked to make it. Are they likely going to miss? You have a lot of teams that are just like younger talent and mix of, it's just all over the place for me. Very limited depth. I think honestly, you may have the fourth best team just from like a, I like the way this team looks, but then I look at like the, like, is it more, do I just like the youth and it's just a lot of unproven guys. You would need a lot of things to go your way in order to, make the playoffs. I think the reason I would have your team next in the rankings is because you have the most flexibility to acquire win now pieces. If you want to, I think a lot of the other teams in our league don't have the depth to like give up their youth to like make a push that would actually be worthwhile. I think you could still make a push and be in good shape for the future. If you decided you wanted to have a chance this year. I, I do think that's true. I, I, I don't agree with me being <clears throat> the fourth best odds, uh, but I do think that's true. I, I kind of see the, when you talk about the candidates to, to uh, be that last playoff spot in our projections here, kind of a division between teams who are deeper that don't have the all out superstars at a few positions. And then you have the teams with just, you know, tier one, absolute studs that then maybe don't have the depth. So if you look like um, if you, if you look at a team like Sloan's, you have Christian McCaffrey, uh, Ramon, Ramondre and Gibbs all at running back. Like, man, he's set at running back Tyreek Hill at wide receiver. But then you look down the roster at each of those positions and you start to get weaker pretty quickly. Yeah. So there's a team like that. That's relying on guys. You don't mind relying on, but on bye weeks or injury spells, uh, that's suddenly a team that could find themselves falling in the the standings. And then, like you mentioned, you have a team like mine um, that maybe doesn't have the guys you're, um, you know, totally locked in on starting every week. Um, but I do feel like I have more of an even, uh, a, a less steep drop-off if I'm having to bench a guy or, or start a guy in, in place of an injury. Um for me, I guess I'll go ahead and call out one of my dark horse teams. If you can call his team that I like Collins team heading into next season. Wow. Um, he's got balance on his roster. So first of all, there's not a single position where I feel like he's truly at need. Um, but then I feel like he's got enough studs with just enough depth to get by um, at the, at the wide receiver spot running back will be big for him. Miles Sanders question mark. Um Antonio Gibson, you have question marks there. Javante Williams coming off of injury, question marks there. So and a um, chain too, yeah, like just loaded yeah. up with question marks. <laughs> Tyler Algier, does he even get playing time anymore? No, maybe, maybe not. That's um, a tough trade. That sucks. You're just betting at that point, but yeah, that hurts so, to lose. I mean, I do think his his team is in decent position. Um, I I would say he's a high four team. And now it's just about stars aligning to get that ceiling a bit higher. Um, what what teams do you think look like potential contenders that you know might not strike you that way at first? 
You know, I... I mean, I'm, I'm looking at some of these lineups for... I Honestly, the more I look at this, I feel very confident it's going to be me, Dill, Tommy, assuming no disasters, obviously. Injuries can play a huge factor in this. Um, but if I, if, assuming health up to this point, I would say those three are locks. So it's really that fourth team. And I hate to say it, but I don't hate Ongood's team for a fourth team. I also, I don't hate it, Mike. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Mixon and Kamara. I mean, maybe Kamara gets suspended. Then I change my mind. What happened last year with Kamara's usage, I think was an anomaly. You know, I'm rooting for Kendra Miller, obviously, but. I don't I, I don't hate it. He's got Quentin Johnston, Charbonnet. I think he I and another reason I like his team too, he does not have his first round pick next year. He has no reason to be bad, right? Like he should be ready to move on from some of the like even if he moves on from Johnston, if he moves on from Dotson, both good players have great value. I think he could get in a situation maybe with a team like Sloan's where he could look to take on maybe like a McCaffrey or a Tyreek Hill uh, for maybe some kind of package like this. And, you know, if you're 20, if you don't have your 2024 first, what do you really like? What's the point of being bad? Well, I mean, if you become, if you're clearly a bottom team, you, you have to weigh the punishment of, coming in last with starting to just accept defeat and rebuild. Uh, I'm are not we saying doing that different punishment re- though, though it's like a new punishment, right? We are. Um, it's, it's less severe. So uh, okay. maybe he views that with, you know, fright or not. Um, but I think on goods team, it kind of follows a similar um, storyline as what I just said with Collins. Uh, where we talk about the ceiling being unknown, you know, the floor is there. I think the floor compared to Collins is a little lower just based on my kind of personal opinion of players, but um, you know, it, it's not a team that screams, Hey, I am guaranteed last place. I don't think we have any of those teams, um, no, we don't. which is good. You know, that could change by early October, you know, early in the season. But as it stands now, if you're somebody trying to trade for somebody else's draft pick, I don't think you can say with any certainty that, oh, I'm acquiring a top X pick, um, which is fun. Yeah, it is fun. I, I think I think his team is there. I also think Brian's team. I honestly don't – I you can't count on Brian's team. I see Khalil Shakir in the last starting slot, and it makes me want to throw up. But <laughs> it's hard to say – a team with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert should not be considered for a playoff spot. There are a lot of questions on this roster. Elijah Mitchell, Khalil <laughs> Shakir, Khalil Herbert, uh, Brees Hall, who knows when he comes back, Greg Dolchich as starting tight end. Um, okay, it's not great, but Brian also does not have his 2024 first. Which is wild <laughs> looking at this yeah. team. Yeah, I mean Ryan, I'm I don't know it's... if it was worth giving up everything for Herbert, but you have the two QBs now. They will hold incredible value. If you decide you want to downgrade a quarterback, 
you could probably make a very similar trade to what you did with Colin to move down to the, you know, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr kind of tier. Another, I think Sloan is going to be a great candidate for some of these middling teams who, like, if if Sloan goes to Brian and Brian's like, Sloan, I'll give you Justin Herbert. You give me Cousins. You give me McCaffrey. You give me, you know, Brandon Ayuk. It's a conversation, right? Like, I'm just kind of throwing some names together. That makes Brian's team kind of formidable, like, in the current year. I mean, I feel like we're getting to the point where any team can kind of say they've got levers to pull. Um, But these are two teams, though, who don't have their first-round pick next year. And that makes the stakes different, in my opinion. I think now that they... These are the two teams that have Waffle House out of the way, though. Like, that burden of punishment is a lot lower for them. And... um, you know, this is just a potential avenue the season goes. If one of these two teams realizes a third of the way through, like, hey, it's just not working out this season. I don't think there's as much downside for them to just say, you know what, I'm going full rebuild. Maybe I don't have my own 24 first. Brian has none of his picks next year. Zero. I, I get that, but maybe that results in him selling for other people's picks. I know it would be nice if you are going to end up fin- finishing last to draft with your own pick, but um, you know, maybe it, it ends up being you have three or four teams that are clearly destined to be bottom dwellers amongst those teams. Does one sacrifice themselves except the tank while others trade for assets in order to prevent a punishment? Um, you could see kind of contrasting strategies there. Um, so I, I do think it's wide open though. Yeah. Uh, compared to the past two years, admittedly, I felt like I was leading the pack in terms of likelihood of finishing last. Um, no way. At least year one I was. Um, but this year it doesn't feel like we have anybody intending to tank and nobody whose roster is in position to start that immediately. So, um, I we're likely looking at our most competitive year of the league so far. I think, I think you're spot on. And now that I'm just like, we've spent some time talking about the landscape. How fucking nuts is this year going to be the top three teams? I think, you know, maybe Dylan and I are in our own tier, but I, I don't, I'm not Tommy is, I'm not counting him out anymore. Me, Dylan, Tommy, all three of us have our first round pick next year. Right. Yeah which is pretty incredible to think about, right? Your top three teams have not given up any of their picks to get to where they're at. And then you have this other, these other seven teams. Matt doesn't have his own first round pick. Anga doesn't have his own first round pick. Brian doesn't have his own first round pick. Like, I don't even, does Austin have his first round pick? Austin does. Austin does. does. Okay. So you have, and Sloan does as well. Sloan has his as well. So you have three of these remaining seven teams that don't have their first round pick. I think that will add a lot of, a lot of uh, like, we're going to see some crazy shit this year. I think is going to unfold my, at my final bet, Brian fourth playoff team. I think he goes all in for it. I think he has no reason not to, I think sitting in limbo for another year, like, not worth it. And he's got some older assets 
like Devontae Adams. I don't know. I, I just don't think the market is going to be there to sell. Like, who's going to buy Devontae Adams? It would either be Tommy or Dylan. Not bad assets, honestly, to buy for them. We're going to see some good trades this year. We're going to see some some fun movement in the middle. I just feel like after seeing what happened to Ongood last year, if you're one of these bad teams, you do not want to finish last and not have your pick. That is such yeah. an L. It interests the way the, the cookie crumbles. If I had to, you know, gun to my head, make my prediction, I'm saying fourth spot. I agree with your top three. I say fourth spot comes down to Matt and Colin. I mentioned I already like Colin's team. I think they are neck and neck until, keep your eyes on the calendar, folks, week 13. Matt Kinney has Lamar Jackson and Daniel Jones on by the same week. He could be possibly looking at no QBs available for a late in the regular season week. And I think that's where Colin takes the uh, insurmountable lead in the table. Uh, that's my call on the fourth slot for the playoffs. Wow. Yeah, I was just looking at Matt's team. It's way better than Brian's. I just, <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. But maybe Brian, I believe in you, Brian. Like we said, just need a few things to play out. No team with extraordinary weaknesses. So one injury is maybe all it takes to tilt things um, amongst these teams that are super tight, I think. Yeah. Brothers who who pay for Dynasty content need to stick together. I got you, Bri. Hey, yeah, that's a very small and esteemed group. So it is. You two look after each other. Uh, Okay, well... I think we've covered a lot today. This will be some great content for Brian's drive down to Seymour. Uh, I don't know if anyone else will make it this far, but if you do, we appreciate it. Mike and I have had a lot of fun talking about. Throw it on one, one and a half speed and you're, you guys will be fine. That's all. Yes. Good. That's we should have said that at the beginning. It's a little late for that now. <laughs> <laughs> you can put these last 20 seconds on 1.5 X. It'll fly by. Re-listen to it on 1.5. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, thank you for joining, Mike. It's been a pleasure. We'll talk again soon. Sounds good.